in a voice resembling President Obama. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another intriguing episode of your go-to podcast. Today, we're on episode 0055, the sixth episode in season five, with a provocative title that will surely whet your intellectual appetite. Add an egg, eat a cloaca, don't fuck a donut. Our journey today starts by going back in time to revisit the legacy of Edward Bernays, the pioneering architect of the public relations industry, and Sigmund Freud's nephew. Bernays was a maestro at playing the human psyche like a finely tuned piano, using its keys to reshape perceptions and attitudes. Consider the common guilt associated with shortcuts in cooking, specifically using a cake mix. It's seen as a quick alternative to the affectionate labor of home baking. Bernays, however, came up with a clever intervention, merely add an egg or some oil. It was a minor act of participation that made a major impact. It made individuals feel like they were contributing to the process, therefore alleviating the guilt of resorting to a shortcut. Interestingly, what this did was not just remove the guilt, but also shape us into accepting this manipulated reality. We became more complacent, more willing to be smoothed off into perfectly spherical happiness machines. Then we veer off to the world of Donut Daddy, a charismatic titan on TikTok, whose seductively enticing donut-making videos have become a cultural sensation. But let's remind ourselves, as luscious as these pastries might be, our admiration should remain strictly culinary, not carnal. Finally, we immerse ourselves in the soundscape of Boney M, a place where music intermingles with spoken word, a dance of the internal self and external reality. With a wide array of topics like these, we hope to challenge your perceptions about your choices, your indulgences, and yes, even your donuts. So sit back, relax, add an egg, and remember, keep those donuts for savoring, not for other misadventures.
I just pressed the button. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, dear listeners, as you come in, I'm going to assume that we keep this, even if we decide not to. But uh, it, it's actually kind of funny also because here Brian and I are engaging in that pre-show banter, but it got kind of serious. And we're like, oh, maybe we record it anyway. So uh, we were having some serious conversations about capital R relationships, um, not just friendships and not just capital F friendships, right? But like uh, capital R romantic relationships. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who define all of those things pretty differently. Um, but I think I'll, I'll settle on just kind of the like standard one, right? <laughs> but I guess that's where this story comes in, right? So I once dated a fellow who um, was really kind of clear and upfront about how he didn't really want to get into a serious relationship. Um, and I was at a point in my life where that wasn't really something that I particularly wanted or needed, so I didn't really give a shit, right? So we set up essentially... Uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of like a friends with benefits situation, but uh, kind of sprinkled on top some of the boyfriend-girlfriend experience, right? So we would we would spend time together. We would go on dates. We'd have very, we had a lot in common. So we would, you know, let's say go to a museum or we wanted to go to a movie together. So we would actually spend time together. It wasn't just like banging and then leaving, right? Which I've, I've also done, again, not a judgment, not a, yeah. uh, every once in a while, I guess I still get the itch, who doesn't? But it feels yeah. kind of like, for me also, like now, now at my age, I think kind of out of yeah. reach. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say um, that I also, I'm sorry. Not because of the fantasy way. of it. Not that I couldn't go to a bar and get banged by somebody. It's just like, oh my God, that just seems like too much work right now. Like, yeah. I've got like meetings in a few hours wow, well, you know like who the fuck is time for that shit anyway, exactly i have so, to pre-pro for the podcast i have to read five newspapers where's my alone time exactly. i have to like it takes me an hour and a half to wash my hair now you know like tell me about it. i'm just learning about this jesus christ so I, i'm just learning <laughs> i just learned that you're supposed to only like put conditioner on the ends of the hair i was really fucking up this whole time <laughs> I mean, I kind of put a little bit uh, kind of also all over, but I'm very careful with yeah, it. I like wash to, it out. It gets dry in the top to unless I put scalp. a little bit on the yeah. top. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tips. That's another concept. But I don't anyway, want to distract. So, yeah. That's okay. It's okay. So, so this fellow was like kind of very clear that it, it, but he didn't want it to get serious, right? So it was kind of like girlfriend, boyfriend, light. Okay. Um, and because of that, I never did things that you would do with someone that you actually take, quote unquote, seriously in a relationship, which is you introduce them to your friends, oh, yeah. your family, cousins, uh, whatever, right? Like, um, of course, until you reach that utmost stage of, gosh, are they going to meet the parents? Right? And so it yeah. feels societal anyway, very like hierarchical of like, you are quote unquote more in someone's life the more you're like kind of like led into those inner and innermost circles of people in our lives right it's one thing for that dude to have like oh we ran into a co-worker while we were out at the restaurant that's like one thing it's like whatever that's just some dude i'm on a date with right but like right. we had run into like i don't know like my bff 
right? She'd be like, who's this dude? How oh. could never introduce you? But they would understand probably, they yeah. right? They would probably be like, oh, you're either just going on a date with this dude for the first time or you're literally just banging him and it doesn't matter, right? It's like, right. you know, I don't tell you what I had for lunch every day either, right? So. I'm just turning Anyway. I'm turning you up and me down. It's Okay, I was, it was great. Uh, the the point was is that it was a kind of a great setup. I had a very busy schedule. Um, for me, it was kind of everything I wanted, right? Um, as far as like, in a logistical sense, right? Right. Not in a like this is the greatest relationship I've ever had sense, right? Because it wasn't. I already kind of he had already kind of put this limit on it, a bumper or something. So in my head, it was like, cool, at some point, I'm going to get bored of you or you're going to do something that pisses me off. And I'm going to say, I don't know, it's not really worth it, right? Because you're just yeah. a dude I'm banging. You're, you're not like connected to me right. in that kind of deeper sense, right? So uh, flash forward to when I decide to leave Los Angeles and... He's now, I, I feel like he's got essentially not buyer's regret. He's got browser's regret, right? Like, because uh, mm. I'm, I'm like moving on with my life. I'm like, hey, I'm getting ready to move. Like, like I was, I had been talking about this actually for some time with my friends and uh, I'll say known friends, right? Like, so I was just even saying things to him like, yeah, I'm thinking about quitting my job, so it's actually really stressful for me right now. I may not be able to see you as frequently, right? So I wasn't bringing him any of the stress of I'm quitting my job because he's not someone who's close and intimate to me. I'm only letting him know that so far as it affects our calendar, right? Right. Like, so... But you would still know that. You would still be aware of it. A smart thinking person would hear that and go, okay, big life change. Got it. You know? Yeah. Um, am I going to be dumped? You know? Yeah. Are they going to completely move away? Right? All kinds of things have happened. But we didn't talk about it. We didn't think about it. Because, again, they weren't that person. We were just going together and talking about the latest movie we saw. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh... Anyway, so time keeps marching on. I'm starting to make more and more decisions about not just quitting my job, but actually leaving California altogether and like career change altogether. I'm thinking maybe I go like a graduate school, you know, maybe I, you know, uh, I'm leaving teaching. So it's not exactly like a career, complete career change. Right. But I have a lot of skills, but I'm like, I want to do something different with my life, I think. Um, and so I'm finally like, yeah, I'm, I think I've made the decision. I'm going to leave Los Angeles. I'm going to move away. Uh, I'm going to be leaving in about two or three months or so. Uh, it's been nice knowing you. We can enjoy it while it lasts, but I'll be moving away, right? Like, nice knowing you. Yeah. And it's at this fucking point that he's like, oh, uh, um, I, I wish we were closer. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but we're not and we're not gonna be because i'm about to move across the country (laughs) like it's not like we had talked it's not like we had been together for four years and i suddenly get an offer to transfer to be the southwest regional manager or something which is a reality that i've kind of lived that reality too so yeah yeah it's not that (laughs) 
yeah it's not that right and yeah. and it's like uh and if it were right then it's a whole different conversation yeah. then it's do we make do i turn down this opportunity of a lifetime if that's what it is right because right. we might decide it's not in, in our the case it, of, it was the at that time right yeah right. that's what so got me there that that's what got me to where you live <laughs> so so you take it right um but that still, again, that still doesn't change the fact that, like, uh, not sacrifice exactly, compromise, something has occurred, right? But um, but if there was, like, a foundation for it, be because it's like, again, if we're always constantly changing and growing, every new experience makes us different people, right? And something as big as a life change is certainly going to make you a different person, you know? Like, even if it is, like, hey, I'm accepting the job of a lifetime. But yeah. what was strange about this dude was I was like, you didn't, you haven't done any of the fucking groundwork for us to even discuss what you're going to move with me. Yeah, you like, don't, don't have that kind of relationship. Well. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like, I was like, maybe you're going to be in town every once in a while and we'll hook up at fucking 10,000 waves or something. But uh, we're not going to be like long distance. That's not like a real thing. <laughs> no, it's not. Never, never. Yeah, no, it's not. And they were a kind of shocked, actually. And I was like, and and, and it was kind of like a. I, I feel like it was like one of these like very Victorian things of like, oh well, I wish you had told I had told you sooner. And I was like, yeah, dude, I guess I kind of wish you had told me sooner too. <laughs> It's me laughing, not choking everyone. Well, because like, <coughs> because because that's because that's the hard work of a relationship is the communication, right? Yeah. yeah. And and that's actually ironically enough what these fucking dating shows are showing, um, which is that like, um, talking is what makes you fall in love with someone. Let's say because you get to go, oh, look at all these ways that we we have the same values or we have this thing in common but you still don't know what someone's thinking so you still no. have to do the hard work of talking and thus the hard work of disagreeing because that's that's what consensus building is right like yeah. consensus, consensus building actually presupposes that we're going to disagree somehow uh otherwise there would be no need for consensus in the first place like i don't know like we're always going to disagree about something, uh, whether we should move to here or there, whether we should raise our kids like this or that. Which school do they go to? Uh, does the dog need to be trained or are they fine digging up the yard? Like, maybe it is fine. Gives yeah. a shit, right? Like, so like, it's, but there might be disagreements about that. And then those disagreements turn into you let the dog in the yard. That means you're going to be a terrible father. You know? <laughs> <laughs> which like no not necessarily like i mean that's not what i would have said made my dad a terrible dad you know? <laughs> <laughs> well anyway i'm just saying i'm trying to say it that that yeah. like that's that's what i think is the hard work of uh relationshiping is just communicating and having to communicate things that are hard right having to say um i'm actually uh feeling really bloated and my libido is down 
Who wants to say that shit out loud ever? I don't even yeah, no want to say it out loud as a joke, right? Yeah. Like, so like, right. I grimaced just saying it, like, ooh, like, cause no, no. Yeah, I, right? I feel you. That is, and I officially award you for saying the most potentially personal thing ever on the podcast. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not currently feeling, it, but I just mean even with, like. Well, no, but like yeah, even as a hypothetical. So. Thank you. Okay, now we can laugh at it. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, now, now we can laugh at it, right? <laughs> um, you know, ask me again after I've eaten the like, uh, you know, a double decker bacon cheese, green chili cheeseburger or something. You know, then I'm mm. like, oh, that. Then I feel, the then way, I, feel I feel incredibly unattractive. You know, like just ice. <laughs> Like there's grease everywhere and <laughs> crumbs. <laughs> just fingers Kathy, are all sticky. One, one percent like... of our audience uh, finds that very sexually attractive. So don't don't. Uh... Oh, have you seen that TikTok guy who was <laughs> fucking his donut or whatever? Wow, this is I. I mean, I brought some stories today too, but tell me about this. Oh gosh, let me find this. His name is Donut Daddy. <laughs> so it is okay. one of these awful TikTokers mm -hmm. who is doing. Okay, here it is. Okay, here. Hold on, I found it. So now, of course, I'm going to do that classic thing we all know and love. I'm going to share my screen and my sound. Yeah. Okay, now I can see your screen. Cool. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Oh. Uh oh. 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 Mm. Everyone home, I'm quickly looking away, looking back. Ah! Everyone at home, I watched porn earlier today, and it was less sexual than this. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel really uncomfortable after watching that. It was just a guy basically making and eating a donut. Um. Okay, so... Tyler turned to me last night. <laughs> so I had a really hard day at work. Yes, I say hard day at work. It was it was it wasn't particularly difficult or anything, but it, it like just wiped me out. I was exhausted, so I like get home and I'm like, I just want to watch. I just want to watch Love Is Blind. Mm-hmm. Fair. And he's like, no problem. He's like, I'm gonna just be online and play Zelda, which again, I'm like, thumbs up. I'm totally on board this as a as a life task, and uh, but of course because I'm just sitting here watching Love Is Blind in a comatose stone state, and they're like just playing Zelda and scrolling their phone. We're doing the thing that couples, again, the intimate couples will all know and love is that most intimate of things, which is, hey, check this thing out on my phone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, a favorite in this house is Apple News. It just gets popped up all the time. It's great. I mean, I'm always like, oh my god, what's what? Did you see what happened on the timeline? 
that doesn't happen as much anymore and that's that's the timeline's fault but you know that's also a different story it's got to be a top a plus level content if i'm showing timeline to someone who's in my general vicinity ah didn't used to okay yeah yeah it did used to be that case it's so but he goes hey look at the donut daddy (laughs) yeah I would be. I would pause what I was doing before looking, and think if I really wanted to see that. Just, yeah, okay, all right, then I'll turn. Well, you had like I was like, well, th- this is already kind of like a trope uh, in our household, which is uh, we get mad at ourselves for also indulging in that kind of bullshit foodie thing. Like we, there's like a bunch of self-loathing involved with our participation in it, even if I'm like. But look, I made myself the greatest shake today. <laughs> I can see. I that. have a homemade ice cream maker, Brian. What the fuck do you want me to tell you? Suddenly, okay. everything makes more sense. Yeah. No, that's a no. I am Spartacus. Okay. So, I love it. I love like, it. We're just maybe not as far gone as the donut daddy, right? But it's still the same thing. And so, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I was just horrified. I was like, get the shit away from. Let me, um... And I was like, that's not attractive. I'm like, that. first of all, sticking your face into a, like a lump of dough is not food safe. He's no. shirtless. That's not food safe. Mm-mm. I would be calling in a complaint to the health department. Like Salt Bay, that's one thing. He, he was clothed. Mm-hmm. He was uh, just, you know, sprinkling salt on a steak. That's, that's like, a, that, that's okay. That's, I expect that to happen. I mean, is it zealous salting? Uh, sure. But I've also been at Italian restaurants where there's like that overzealous hold on, peppering I'm... guy. Do you remember that opening Adam a, Sandler? Oh, opening a browser window right now. <laughs> Do you remember that Adam Sandler SNL sketch of the pepper? Do you know oh, what I mean? I Yes. Uh, the What he's like putting on like a Caesar salad. Or is that a it? Fresh pep- a fresh pepper. And he has like an enormous pepper grinder. Isn't that also yes. the gag too? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Apparently, it's called Pepper Boy. Pepper Boy. <laughs> it definitely sounds like something out of yeah, Sandler. Yeah, I'm, I'm clicking. Up. We're gonna. Um, oh no! Look, watch. I'm you way ahead of you. Yeah, you yeah, I sure up. did. Okay, thank you. Well, I make sure I'm sharing sound. I, I sure love the it. advancement of technology. How we can have. Uh, it sounds like it's playing <gasps> on my computer. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. No, it's because we recently. It's it's all ridiculous. I just want to see the numbers ticking over. Okay. There we go. Yeah, everything good? Looks great. Yeah, great. Enjoy. A fresh pepper. Oh, sure. All right. Say when? When? A grazie. (laughs) A fresh pepper? Just a little bit. All right. Say when? Uh, that's good. A grazie. <laughs> All right. Now, Carlo, come here, come here. You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? Yes, Senor Marco. The people, the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper. I uh, grind the pepper. That is the job of the pepper boy, you understand? Fresh pepper. <laughs> yes, 
is very good, very good. Someday, Carlo, you will be a pepper boy. Now watch. You pick up as we go, okay? Come on now. A fresh a pepper? Sure. Say when. Uh-huh. Wow. Say when. When? When? <laughs> a grazie. You see, you see that color? You see how the pepper works, Carlo, huh? I am afraid, Signor Marco. Do not be afraid of the pepper, Carlo. The pepper is your friend. All right? Look, I see a salad. You go, you take it the pepper. No, no, no. You take it the pepper, Carlo. Take it the pepper. Take it the pepper. Now go. Go with the pepper. Go. I'm Italian. It's okay that they're saying. Fresh pepper. <laughs> sure, sounds good. Hey, grazie. <laughs> Carlo, didn't you forget something, huh? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> no, 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 Carlo, no. You make a mistake. A grazie? No, that part, the grazie was good. But you know, give the pepper. That's the whole point, Carlo. Here, you're watching me, all right? Here we go. Adam watch Sandler has kissed Tim Meadows on the mouth. Fresh pepper? Yes, I've been waiting for this quite some time for this pepper I've heard so much about. Say when? You like the pepper, huh? Oh, very good. You like the fresh pepper, huh? Oh, nice. right, let's get some pepper in there. <laughs> let's get some pepper. You like the pepper. Senorita like the pepper, huh? You like the pepper. That's very good. Thank you so Let's much. Let's get it back over here. Remember to say when. Let's okay. get behind here. Get more pepper, huh? You like that, huh? You like that, huh? You like that, huh? All right. Thank you very much. Your wizardry with that pepper mill, it really brightened my day. A grazie. Oh, there's no way in my hands. Now, now, let me tell you. You see what I do with the pepper, huh? You see? You got to also say when. And then you also got to give him the pepper. Okay? When? Yes. Give it the pepper. That's a very good, very good. I believe in all my heart you can do this, Carl. Now, try again, all right? You take it a pepper. You try again. Let's go. And he's using Lots the of classic SNL characters here. Yeah. Here's... Uh... Fresh pepper. Oh my god, uh, I'm the chocolate mousse. Chris. No, thank you. Say when. No. Hey, cut it out. Say when. No, come on. Don't. Say when. No, come on. And the, the creepy guy from Scary Movie. Say when. Say when. I love you, but sometimes 
I do bad things in No, 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 no. Not everybody want a pepper, Carlo. There are rules. If a man eat a chocolate mousse, he'll no get a pepper, all right? No pepper. No pepper. But the woman with the Caesar salad, she'll get the pepper. Pepper? That's right. This is an art of the pepper boy. Carlo, don't let it die with me. Please, let me teach it to you. Teach me, Signor Marco. All right. You see that man right there? Big fat bushy beard. He like a three twists of pepper. Three? Three. No. Make me proud. Eh? Fresh pepper. Why? Yes! Say when. All right, all right. Juan. Hey, who is He's doing like the tipsy roll top. Why, thank you, Pepper Boy! That's the perfect amount of pepper! Bravo! <laughs> oh, you did like it, Carlo! Four layers of comedy in that one feel? line is incredible. Like I can fly, senor! On the wings made of a pepper! I've been waiting so long for this, Carlo. Come here, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Look, look at this. Oh, huh? My own paper. Yes, it's for you. I love you, Carlos. <laughs> oh, oh. I got some bad news, boys. I just bought one of these electric pepper grinders for every table in the place. How about that, huh? You're both fired. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking timely. We're going to show them. We open our own restaurant together. Marco. Marco and Carlo's restaurant, Fresh a Pepper, opened the next summer. It was an immediate success. Dishes created in their kitchen, such as the pepper sandwich, steamed pepper a la Marco, and pepper surprise, a big pile of pepper, made them famous. In 1993, Carlo died of pepper lung, but Marco is still alive today in a nursing home made of oregano. They were out of pepper. That's Michael McKeon. So Michael McKeon was guessing on that episode. That's, oh, that's good. No, he no. was in the cast. No. At that time. So Michael wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I didn't know he was briefly on cast. As was Chris Guy, the guy from Get a Life. Yeah. I will also have noticed Janine Garofalo there for a brief second in the in the skit. I. So Janine, Michael McKeon, Chris know. Farley, uh, Adam Sandler. If you look at the like whole thing, Dana Carvey. Uh, yeah. Tim Meadows again it was like this like golden era and I remember it because I was like that was when I was like in high school I was like obsessed yeah um, yeah for me I had seen Adam Sandler very can't hear me no I'm sorry I said I'm I was obsessed oh, I can't in, in... Hear you. oh really shit <gasps> what happened uh I can hear you and we're recording so it's okay oh we... I can't hear you oh hold on let me unmute and unmute um unmute let me i can hear you fine i can hear you okay am i muted that i can oh now i can't hear you oh i can hear you okay but we never lost anything because i could hear you except for that last two seconds here so oh okay okay nothing was lost um 
Anyway. Yeah, you're blowing yeah. my mind. I forgot Michael McKean was an SNL uh, person because I actually, um, in my high school years, when I would come home, like on Comedy Central, like they would be playing SNL, and that's how I watched it basically. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But no, I know. Classics. Didn't. Wow, shit. So that would be why he would make sense to be putting in like Dreamland, like the X Files episode, then, because he was like a comedy guy, huh? Well, I mean, and he was also in, like, all of the Spinal Tap and yeah, Chris- Christopher true. Guest's movies. But those require, like, real, like, serious actors as actors. well. To, like, do all the layers of acting in those. Oh, geez. We should cover those at some point. That'd be fun, because those are, like, oh, yeah. kind of, no, like, reality-adjacent. So where are we? Yeah, I know. Uh, we were talking about Donut Daddy and how that's not food safe practices. No, definitely not. Um, nor is, I think, putting uh, the face of a person on the scrub daddy. I think that's just a bad practice in general. I don't think we should. Yeah, that's it. really weird. Yeah. I didn't like the scrub daddy. <laughs> Good. I mean, I think it's cute that, like. Opinion of the podcast. I mean, I think it's cute that it has a smiley face. Yeah. Right? Like, why couldn't they call it, like, the Happy Sponge or, like, uh, Happy Bubbles or something? I don't know. It, why did it have to be, like, why did it have to be, like, sexy for no reason? Why are we trying to, like, bimbify sponges? Let me, I'm opening DuckDuckGo here. I'm typing in... Um, Actually, let me see. Maybe it would actually be easier just to use this. Yeah, I can just go to my YouTube history. Okay, I'm going to pull up. Let's see. Part three. So I'm going to go to my history. I think I can find the clip pretty quickly. And this is something that affected me more than anything else I saw in this documentary, which contains all kinds of uh, stuff. Um, let me just scan the part. Here. No. So, do you remember, did you watch The Americans? I don't think so. Okay, which one's I, that one? I didn't finish it either. It's uh, it's a show on I think it was FX. It was about um, Americans who had generationally, or excuse me, Russians who had generationally infiltrated the country. Like uh, basically, huh. they were supposed to be young parents moving to the country. They have children within the United States. You know, they grow themselves as like a gotcha. homegrown sleeper cell. You know, it's mm-hmm. technically I guess it was based on like at least one like attempted incident or something like that. Oh. But in the in the in the show is portrayed as the whole program and whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. irrelevant to what i'm saying but in the uh they always tried to portray uh the main character who was like the the fake wife in the scenario mm-hmm. um who's a kgb spy as um trying to like they always positioned her on the edge of society trying to like figure out like what the new trends in america were i think it was kind of her job to report back on these kinds of things and stuff but she got her you know, the guy who lives across the street is an FBI agent, of course, and he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a counterintelligence FBI agent. And he's like, you know, investigating spy stuff. And his, <laughs> his wife was only supposed to be like the American foil that introduced her into all these like new American feminine concepts, 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she's introduced to in the show is EST, E-S-T. Are you aware of what this is? I have no idea. Okay. Go on. It is a way of new age thinking that is essentially an evolved philosophy from like um, abandoning like consumerism culture and stuff like that. But imagine if all the people who had those thoughts, you know, pass them on to someone else and then it's like a game of telephone. And I think this guy, okay. the leader of this thought organization or whatever he was doing, there's basically seminars for adults to like get in touch with like, you know, um, kind of some concepts of psychology and the self that you and I think of today, but you know, in the eighties. So this is okay. groundbreaking stuff. You know, this is like blowing people's mm-hmm. minds. They'd never read a book before. Okay. So let me click it's on L. this. Ron, it's L. Ron Hubbard's oh, Dianetics. It, it is 100% uh, minus the book and then more about seminars, basically. Yeah. Um, so let me get up to this guy. So for uh, The Century of the Self, I don't think Adam Curtis actually interviewed him. I think this is just a file footage or whatever, but hmm. perhaps he did. I don't know. Pulling it up here. I just wanted you to see this because this is like some some shit <laughs> oh no yeah, yeah, yeah no i'm very excited okay so um let me share screen well that sounds yes. i don't i don't i'll figure out a better way to say that <laughs> uh let's see how did i click again this button here share screen and i'm gonna share this safari window with sound because that would help there we go all right now i'm gonna play i think we should all be able to hear this. Same objects. This had fitted perfectly with the limited range of desires of a conformist society. The expressive self threatened this whole system of manufacture. And the threat was about to grow rapidly. Go! Because an entrepreneur had invented a way of mass producing this new independent self. He was called Werner Erhard. Some of the stuff that we traditionally think of as being in your mind is actually in the world. You're you can see my screen too. right now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's paused on these people who are writhing on oh, the Erhard seminar um, training. Hundreds of people came for weekend sessions to be taught how to be themselves. And Est was soon copied by other groups, like Exegesis in Britain. Many of Erhard's techniques came from the human potential movement, but he criticized the movement for not having gone far enough. Their idea that there was a central core inside all human beings was, he said, just another limitation on human freedom. In reality, there was no fixed self, which meant that you could be anything that you wanted to be. The thesis of the human potential movement was that there was something really good down in there. And if you took these layers, Werner Erhard, yeah, we're going to look him up. We're we're going to do our own research. Something that was innately self-expressive, that was the true self, that was going to be a wonderful thing. In actuality, you found people who had gone to the last layer and took off the last layer, and found that what was left was nothing. The S sessions were intense and often brutal. The participants signed contracts agreeing not to leave and to allow the trainers to do anything they thought necessary to break down their socially constructed identities. You want to get sandwiched in there? Go for a win. 
If I push harder than you do, I'm gonna squash you. So you better push fast. Now, hard. Yeah. do it. That's it, do it, again. Push, good, good, good. Again. Yes. The real point to the S training was to go down through layer after layer after layer after layer until you got to the last layer and peeled it off where the recognition was that it's really all meaningless and empty. This is uh, about 100 people laying on the floor in little boxes, just kind of yelling and screaming. They're all wearing what looks like you'd wear to a convention. Now, that's <coughs> They look like they've all laid down point. for a nap at kindergarten. Step further. <laughs> and that's basically, that I think, what they're doing. People began to recognize that it was not only meaningless and empty, but it was empty and meaningless that it was empty and meaningless. And in that, there's an enormous freedom. All the constrictions, all of the <coughs> rules. Let me just pause for play. one second there. So. Mm -hmm. He says, and this is something that we talk about a lot, although I think that he might go one, one step here as well, but he, as a person, you uh -huh. know, before he started all this stuff, or maybe through the process of discovering it all, also, I can't see your face right now, just letting you know, because I'm... Oh, weird. Not by anything you're doing, because I'm looking at this screen just the way I have it. Oh, so gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I can't see your gotcha. expressions or anything, but um, he basically, as a person, this came to the realization that people came to uh, when they started watching, I don't know, when teens started watching Adult Swim in, like, the early 2000s. <laughs> that, like, basically nothing mattered because nothing matters, but also nothing matters at all. Like, nothing mattered in the first place. Nothing ever mattered. Uh, in that um, everything in the world only matters if you apply your own meaning to it. Now, of course the teens watching Adult Swim don't recognize this, but the humor mm -hmm. that they're understanding at that point, created by people who are about 10, 15 years older than them, coming to this mm. realization in a, probably a more profound way because they're writers and they're considering things and stuff like that, even though this is their jokey comedic output. I really mm -hmm. do feel like that a shift, I feel like comedy in some way, or even, you know, I don't like to say the word shit posting, but like that kind of... <laughs> uh, this kind of writing on the margins is really like the thing that links everyone together. It's like what it's, it's the, it's the shitty comedy stylings and desire to become a comedian of, uh, you know, uh, that guy from the Chicago seven or whatever, Abby, what's the steal this book. Oh, guy. Abby Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. Abby Hoffman, Abby Hoffman's like desire and drive to be a comedian. And like also he's a fucking podcaster in like the sixties or something. Edge Lords. Like, yeah. yeah. It's the same shit, but that, but that, uh, like the artists drive, which creates this little extra second space to pocket all this stuff, like for time immemorial is what, kind of like builds these things you can only like change the world by changing people individually now of course i don't even know if these people are thinking about this but you can only change the world by changing people individually through one person to one person but through the advent of the internet and social media and being able to put your face and your arguments directly in front of someone especially you know the method of tiktok works great but it's been working mm -hmm. on youtube and all the different ways facebook obviously as we've learned a couple years ago but like i i am convinced though that like <laughs> posting and all this shit is like 
is because people found that life meant nothing and went online to find something. Although it still meant nothing, they were looking for something to assign it to, and that is... Well, it's, it isn't that the whole point of Hello World? Yeah, it's, it's what Matrix... It's just Matrix, a good It's what concept. Morpheus says to Neo, yeah. Right, but like, but like, that's also like what was right the first message sent across the internet, right? Hello world. Yeah. Right. It's it's like I mean, and certainly I've actually always thought of um, my own internet usage as me like sending out a message in a bottle. Yeah. Uh, no expectation that anyone's gonna read it. I don't give a fuck if anyone reads it. Uh, it wasn't when I had a GeoCities page. I didn't. Why would I think anyone would come yeah. to? kathy's favorite strawberry shortcake recipe right or whatever whatever the fuck it was right yeah um my corn and 311 website yeah well because like i wasn't i i think there was also something about like uh dare i say it there was still something real internal about the internet too right like uh you had to like purposefully log on to try to communicate with people otherwise you could just passively interact with it you could lurk a forum and never participate in it. Yes, which I and did. And that's for, how people yeah. have pair, and that's but that's also how people develop para, parasocial mm. relationships with individuals. And there we are in the Whoa. beginnings of that, right? I because never thought, yeah. It, it's voyeurism. Yeah, we're engaging and we're 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 observing someone's life without participating in it. Oh God, we're, do people we're doing it from afar. Do that to us already? Do you think? I mean, of course they are. They're listening to us from afar. The thing is, is that like, um, but we're letting them into our lives. Mm. This is on some level consensual, right? This is why we say whatever you do on the internet is there on the internet. Anyone can really access it. Yeah. But that's, that's what happens with Kathy's favorite strawberry shortcake recipe page. It started, right? Like, isn't that how most of these dipshits started, right? Uh, Like uh, Rachel Ray and emerald lagasse and even anthony bourdain they just started as nobodies and they just happened to develop a following because why they happened to be at the right restaurant or they happened to sign the right book deal or they happened to get a contract with cnn or their website happened to go viral right or they're right like how did we all hear about the pink sauce lady? who the fuck is she yeah right like she's not like it's not like it's not like she was coming out going hey i'm here partnering with heinz heinz has partnered with barbie to bring you pink sauce right like that Mm. makes sense i would expect some bullshit like that Uh right do not copyright steal pink sauce right but like the pink sauce was also like poison right that was even like the joke behind it right like it was like showing it was basically pink mayo so she was like shipping mayo through the mail. Like yeah, that it was wasn't like doing dragon anyone. fruit juice and mayo, which is like so not shelf stable. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe it is, and maybe there's a way to do it. I'm just saying that's different than Jenny's cupcakes, right? Or Jenny's ice cream, or whichever one it was, right? That was just some. That was just some bitch who was making ice cream at one location, and then the next thing you knew, she was across the country, right? Like, but that's what TikTok lets us do. But now people post on the internet with the expectation, I'm going to get views, I'm going to get famous. Before, it was just because you fucking loved strawberry shortcake recipes, and you wanted to collect every different 
variety of strawberry shortcake recipe you had ever dreamt of, right? See, like, when you kept your 311 and corn fan page, mm-hmm. you didn't think you were going to meet Jonathan Davis Never. as a result. No. You, wouldn't, you, you weren't going to be like, I'm here backstage at... Warp Tour 2025. Yeah, the, the where the exactly exactly yeah, and no, I didn't expect they'd still be a band in 2025. Is my assumption. <laughs> no, but you were doing it because you loved oh, it, yeah, right? Yeah, like, no. anyway, you went on the internet not actually expecting to go viral. That wasn't even a never. Concept. No, no. I mean, hell, and, Napster didn't and, even and, exist. And the idea that you could formulate going viral the very concept of virality is that it's uncontrollable you go viral because you weren't trying to yeah otherwise then you're just fucking doing it for attention that's that's the whole point or doing right? your like, job as a big corporate entity yeah right like it and, and that's even the thing about america's funniest home videos or whatever right it's not impressive when um uh michael jordan hits the basket from halfway across the court it is impressive when it happens like in someone's backyard and it was your grandma because that's what gets sent that's what gets sent into america's funniest home videos too right right it's not the harlem globetrotters that are on america's funniest home videos like i know they're fucking funny at it you know wow you know the way that you frame that makes it seem much more like some kind of uh insane human circus um you know, if you look at it wasn't from the executive the point producers, of the amateur- yeah. Well, wasn't that the point of the amateur category in pornography? Oh, fuck. And now you go into the amateur category, and I defy yeah. you to find a single true actual was, amateur uh, category uh, uh, because yeah. anybody who's truly amateur has an OnlyFans. That's true. And OnlyFans is also kind of on this whole tip that you're not, you know, you're doing it for the love of the game right like you're getting paid right but i'm an amateur i'm just i'm just a girl at the office park i'm just someone's secretary right and that's why i'm on OnlyFans because i'm not a professional at this right yeah something but there's but there's that blurriness right but now you do it with the expectation that you're gonna be kim kardashian that you're gonna fuck someone and it's gonna be your launching pad and it's like nah girl it's, if it's amateur porn it's amateur it makes, not professional and like it that's you... sorry i didn't mean mm-hmm. to well same thing with blogging are you a professional blogger then who the i thought i was just keeping my gardening blog because i really like showcasing my roses not because i expected to get a sponsorship with miracle grow you know, like that—that's like where the shift is. I think that's why everyone's also side hustling, but also because like we just have shit wages, right? But like everything's a side hustle. Like Ubering should be a side hustle, yes, right? But if you love cars, then Uber is the most depressing fucking thing you could do. It's taking the love out of cars. Yeah, that's just a job, right? But yeah. if I'm like, I want to be a Formula One race driver. Do I really want to be like, I Ubered for five years? Like, fuck no, I don't. Like, if I want to say that I'm Pablo Picasso, do I really want to say I had an Etsy side hustle for 15 years? No, I don't. Right? Like, they're they're at odds with each other, I think. Like, I don't know. Hmm. Do it because you love to cro- crochet. And now you have too many fucking mitts. 
And now you're selling all your extra mint. Great job. Right, but you're not That's doing right. it because you think you're gonna become a world-class crocheter and you're gonna become like the cover star of crocheting today, are you? Because that's delusional. Yeah, someone started crocheting when they're three and they're the Michael Jordan of crocheting and they're that person. But, but someone out there right now is like, I'm gonna go viral, I'm gonna film <laughs> my crocheting and they're doing like all of this weird bullshit, just like this donut yeah. daddy guy. Like, dude, it's just, true. just make a fucking what? donut. Okay, so what do we call, we need to come up, you and I have just identified a person, an event, a side <sighs> entry that doesn't take the line, a person who, and probably by no fault of their own, they're being selected by society, an algorithm, an executive producer, a casting director, who is the person who like falls backwards or is like, you know, selected by society to like be that, like, you know, there's 300, uh, Food Network today is going to go start a steak show and there's 300 people on YouTube who have like, you know, they're making a living doing steak related content on YouTube. They want to select one of those people. There's an equal chance any of them has it. One of them gets picked. Who do you call that person? Like, what? who is that person in the toy review world who gets picked to, like, host a discovery show or whatever? Like, they're doing the same thing as everyone else in their community, essentially, but they get, like, plugged in. Well, uh, I mean, think about, like, the niche reality competition shows, like the glass-blowing show. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch that. That sounds great. Have you seen it? Oh my god! Okay, hold on. Hold that sounds on, dangerous. On. I don't think adding a anxiety stress element. To wet hold on. Glass. Let me find it. Hold on. I forgot what it's called. Um, it's called like "Don't Blow It." <laughs> it's like something really stupid. I want to say it's on Netflix, and if it is, I'm pulling it up. Hold on. Oh my god. Blown away. Yes. Blown okay. away. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I am going to. Now I shall request the share screen. Okay, here. Oh, yeah. Let me stop mine. Did you see, by the way, what the name of that episode of that was called? Uh, the Century of the Self. Episode 3 that we were watching there. It was called. It is called, There is a Policeman Inside All Our Heads. He Must Be Destroyed. Which is, like, I think something you've said, we've said back and forth several times. There we go. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay. So. Um... Here be. Uh, I'm gonna read out the description and I'm gonna press play in a moment. Okay, just because this is all for us, right? Pull up, stop. So I just want them to shut up. I never want. No, stop talking. I can't believe this is on Netflix. This is incredible. Okay, the series is called Blown Away. It started in 2022. <laughs> it is now on for three seasons. Here's something I didn't realize I didn't realize it was Canadian. According to Netflix, that's one of the uh, genre keyword tags. It's Canadian. Hmm. And oh, oh. I could click on the Canadian tag for oh. the Netflix. We'll investigate that one. I wonder if Orphan Black is on there, the most Canadian Man, this is cool. drama. We have time. competition reality. I've never navigated Netflix using the tags before i've always just been like oh, let me click around okay so this might this yeah, this might be a game they don't changer. let you do this on the tv for everyone at home kathy's on the web thing here so we're look this is interesting um in the hot shop one false move can turn a masterpiece into a disaster but these glass blowers are incredibly cool under pressure perhaps the most impressive reality show contestants in the history of reality shows 
says the Washington Post. Oh, that's that's that a, a bold claim, but perhaps. So we're gonna go to season one, and I'm gonna go to episode one, and we're just gonna watch the intro. And Brian, I would love your feedback okay. on on some of the things you were just discussing. Where did these people come from? Okay. They might even answer the question for us. Let's see. Sizzling. Throw sand, lime, and soda into a 2,000 degree Fahrenheit furnace, and you get macaroni and cheese. No, glass. I made mac and cheese. Oh, right. I saw it was bubbling. Glass and place to form a bubble to shape and sculpt. The tools and techniques date back to Roman times, but we're about to turn up the heat. We've built North America's biggest hot shop. So that's what you call it, apparently. Exceptional artists. You know, at Jackalope, you can go see the glass blowers make chilies and bases and stuff. Wow. I didn't know that. Something will break every single second. And with great risk, oh. comes great reward. If they can survive our fiery competition, they'll win a life-changing prize package oh, that will establish the ground that sounds bad. at the best in glass. I'm okay. Oh, no. Blown away. Best in glass. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. My name's Alexander Rosenberg. I've been working with Glass for over 15 years. Does he smoke weed? Uh, he's also been on uh, Ink Master. No. I've yeah. seen it a lot, and I've proved a lot of people wrong. Does that guy smoke weed? Definitely. Does Janice Glass smoke weed? Kept me out of trouble he does. Kept me on the right path. Yeah, this guy looks, Kevin Kevin looks like he's in Metallica. Like Janice used to smoke weed, but his, um, his wife like prefers so if he does it. Awesome. Being respectful. Like, I feel like... Women this chick only does ayahuasca. Do. There's not that many Japanese glass Once. She's artists. done it once on a trip. So for me, representation is... Oh, you know, really she important. does all kinds of shit. She does everything, yeah. Yeah. My skills as a glass blower... Uh, he might be uh, sober. Yeah. Oh, I like how people <laughs> thought that. <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. Every little That guy's on matters. lots of uppers. I think lots of stints. Oh, yeah. I have lovers and I have haters. She needs Welcome to be. To yeah. She she's the the most. Yeah. She's yeah. got the look. We have all the equipment you need. Someone please offer We're me drugs. We're talking shit about the contestants already. Oh. And hunties to handle it. Oh look, they're teaching Tools us the vocab. Sorry. And twist. Tools. Personal glory holes to keep the glass. No, hold on. Nailers <laughs> to slowly cool the glass to prevent injury. I'm sorry, they went over that way too fast. They're going to say it again, and that's why they said it really quickly, to get you over how often you're going to hear that phrase repeated on the show. Can I pause for one sec here? Thank you. Hey there. Hey. Okay, cool. Okay. 
Oh, good. I'm glad everything's yeah going going along for you. Okay, that sounds good. I'm sure me and the dog will be ready to jump all over you when you get home. <laughs> oh, okay. I was joking. I was saying me and the dog will be ready to jump on you when you get home. <laughs> See you soon. Bye bye. Okay. okay. Well, everyone at home got to hear that bit of the recording. I don't know. Maybe I'll cut it. <gasps> out. It'd be kind of funny if you got to hear that because it was just like really a funny. brief conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that this microphone picks up everything from my neighbors all the way across the canal. Even if Whoa. they're like, if they're like uh, singing along to a song when they, you know, they're partiers. These, you know, they come for three, four days, so they're just there to yeah. do stuff. But you can, it, it's picked up on mic. Them singing along to like, uh, I got friends in low places <laughs> or the whiskey. When they're like, they'll be singing. I can hear it like in the background. So sometimes I'll go and like drop my audio just a little bit to like. <laughs> Cut That's the, beautiful. Yeah, or like uh, if dogs are barking, I mean that I'll, that I'll leave because you know I'll leave my. Oh, because yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll leave that conversation because it was just a funny little uh, moment there. Oh, Hold on, hi. let me see if it'll hi. Let me see if it'll show it. Oh my god. There is a bird in the birdhouse, but see, you can't see it because it's in the clear spot of the window and it's too bright. It's very rude. But there is a bird in the birdhouse. Oh, I love that. Well, and the bird feeder. Okay. Where were we? We were talking about uh, a blown away. Here we go. Yeah. Who will become the world's first blown away champion is where we left off in the reality thing. Blown away champion. You'll also be awarded with a $60,000 prize package that includes a residency at the world-renowned Corning Museum of Glass in upstate New York. However, you don't blow us away. We'll ask you to leave. The hot shot. For your first challenge, pull out the photo that I asked you to bring today. This photo should capture some type of emotion. It should really mean something to you. In the next six hours, you're going to use this photo as inspiration mm. to create a piece of artwork that is a snapshot okay. of who you are. You Similar to Ink Master. Skill, how well you follow <laughs> Time the creative to route, How much creative bravery you show in your artwork. When you're done, put your work in the annealer to cool off and exit the hot shop. Let me introduce you to our evaluators for contribution to glass art and education. Whoa, that's around interesting. The world. If that was Award-winning artist, Catherine Gray. 
I was overjoyed. Very modern looking glass. I respect her so deeply. She's somebody that I really look up to and I value her opinion a lot. Catherine's going to be your resident evaluator. She's going to get to know you well while you work. Now, for our guest evaluator from the prestigious Pilchuck Glass School in Seattle, Washington. Another one for the Wikipedia Chris. list. Do we have what was on there from earlier? We'll keep going. I want to see things that are going to amaze me. I want to see things that are going to surprise me. I don't want to see anything that's derivative. I want to see work that speaks of you. When I look at your work later, I want to see and hear your voice. And I'm going to offer a bonus prize today for the best work. A scholarship to the Pilchuck Glass School. You're going to have to continue to earn your place here and get to work. I would go to glass school. Yeah, using a I would do that too. I, I've learned some manual stuff before. Sculpture. I, uh, my first time in Venice. Venice is the time. mecca for glass blowers. I was scuba diving under ice. I was standing on this grassy hill that we had just climbed and just looking over these huge mountain peaks. I just looked so small compared to the peaks. This hand is going to be holding a little tiny globe. It just kind of symbolizes how we're really just a lot smaller than a lot of us think. My son, my mini-me, inside me, as though I'm his shelter, his protection. I use sort of like a traditional Roman Tobias style. Tobias Fumke apparently is uh, making some glass here. A picture of me body surfing. It captures a moment where I'm in my own little world. It's like a type of meditation, I'd say. Which is sort of how glass blowing kind of is to me, too. Gonna use yeah. different tones of blues and, uh, My first dealer in town is a glass here. blower. Of course, he made pipes. The world that I'm in mm. I'm the wave. And bongs and variety of devices. Hopefully, that's, that'll be that's... good to get through the next round. Hmm. Fingers crossed. Did we have the same dealer? That's what I was just about to ask. I think they all do it, though. Yeah, that's why I was also Did he have his shop in his house? Did he live with three different people in the same house? Colors like my favorite. Yes. Oh, then probably there were three guys, and there was a girl who hung around sometimes. We probably went at different times, but yeah. It's mostly made of sand. Was it near where I used to live? You know where I used to live in Santa Fe, the first place I used to live. Was it near that? Near Then we then okay. Uh huh. Interesting. Funny. I bet you we were there at the same time once. Probably like oh yeah. I'm on my way. The world is extremely strange, Kathy. I, I don't like thinking about how many times we cross paths and then now only now really know each other. I probably handed you a menu at the tune-up going, hey, you're behind me in line. They're out. Oh, no. Yeah, I used to go there often enough for that to happen. Oh, no. It's like... Anyway, back to the glass community. Well, we can Always talk here. and discuss about that. No, look, so they do all kinds of weird shit. It's fascinating. But I think I this like is what I mean, right? Like, if you were to get into a niche skill... When I was 11 or 12 years old, I was introduced to If you were to get into a niche skill, would you necessarily think, I'm going to make a living from my glass blowing? Because um, I would be like, this is really fun, and I'm enjoying it, and this is cool, but I wouldn't necessarily think, like, I'm going to have my own glass-blowing studio and gallery at Manhattan Beach, and I'm going to be able to make a living from this. Now, I feel like I could believe that, but, like, the actuality of reaching it is like saying I'm going to play in the NBA yeah. every time I lace up my Jordans. How many Cholulis do you know? I know Cholule. Chances for everybody here. 
there's that guy in Miami who makes those glass things who's not Choluli. They look kind of like now they're frequently made into bags and handbags and, and stuff like that. Brit Brito, he makes like, literally. That's funny. Why is there only like one famous glass blower? That's what they're trying to do. Because that's how much the economy can stand, I think. That, that's <laughs> yeah. what the market demands. Like, yeah. like, look, all of this shit's really cool, right? Yeah. Like it is, okay? Every single one of these people are about to make something that's awesome. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I trust that. But they're going to... Okay, if I were to walk into a gallery in Santa Fe right now and try to buy one of these glass pieces, how much am I looking at? Let's be real. What am I looking at? Twelve. Four or $500 at the, at the low end? At the low end. Now, so, tell me. Yeah. Do you have a spare $500? Not just spare $500, yes, Brian. Yeah. But a spare... Fi well, mind you, here's the second part of the set. Okay. Do you have a spare $500 for glass? Not a new window, not a new windshield, not even a new bong. That was my window breaking, everyone at home. And then my bong. <laughs> that sounded bad. No, it's true. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if my bong broke right now, I would never spend as much money as I did on it in the first place. I would get a pretty basic one. I actually have a more basic one that I would just use that one. Um, yeah. Actually, I would say <laughs> it's so strange, but since I bought anything, I would say I would never spend almost as much as anything I've spent on anything in the last, I don't know, everything I've, I had, my entire concept of like, uh, democracy and how you spend money is your vote and all this stuff is completely, it's, it's all, I'm in a cloud right now with that stuff. Okay, so next hypothetical. See, in this hypothetical, I said your money. Now I'm going to pretend for a second, Brian, I give you $500 right now, just like we're like in a TikTok influencer video, okay? The only requirement of this money is you can't spend it on something you need. It can't be groceries. It can't be a new windshield, right? So I am forcing you, Brian, to have fun with this money. Now, tell me. Yeah. Right where now. on the list of things that you came up with in your head is i'm going to buy a piece of glass uh i would it wouldn't have occurred to me unless you'd started beating me like a hellraiser style <laughs> with a piece of glass yes with glass and brought me down to the hell dimension and i would have been like um i don't know is that what he's, she's trying to get at like i don't like again, I'm not talking shit about these glass blowers. They look like they're having fun. They look like they're no, good at it. And right? much respect to them, and their art is cool. And I understand why it's expensive. There's not many of them. It's not much needed. I mean, even even Cholule. How about this? The reason Cholule stuff is so expensive is because how many Las Vegas casinos need a big glass chandelier that looks, you know, visually interesting that they looks like they spent millions of dollars on, that. Yeah, it's not happening like all at once. There's not twelve Las Vegas casinos going up at one time, or even Miami hotels. Like, there's like two or one. Like, so even yeah, well, for like, Cholulis, there's only one Cholulie in demand in the whole world. Like, right? It's like, and they don't want a second Choluli because then the first Cholulie's shit goes down in value. Exactly. And they re they literally resell. Like, there is a a, a there was a hotel in Las Vegas that closed and had a Cholule, you know, one of those chandeliers inside there. And they literally sold it to another hotel when they closed because that was probably the most valuable thing in the entire place. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so other other, other questions. Yes. Okay. 
now. Go through that, but I'll be honest. I don't even use glass to smoke least... out of it. Yes. We were, oh well. We were there together. Okay. Are I mean, right? not for any particular reason. It's just it's a pain in the ass to clean. Yeah. It's just one more thing I'd rather not deal with. It's like a habit for me. I I would switch to just the pen at this point. Um. I like joints. I'm just gonna smoke a joint. Just yeah. gonna look, just throw it out. Yeah. In the ashtray. Done. Yeah. No fuss, no muss. It's like it's like the Reynolds wrap of weed consumption. That was my Santa Fe ways. I could just whip it out and roll a joint in like three seconds with a crutch and everything. And I was like, oh, really into like showing off how well I was. Uh, how good I was at like using a business card or like a we totally met something. at a party for it. Are you serious? <laughs> no. Okay. I used to love showing. No, that that's off, just though. really funny though. Yeah. Just really funny. Yeah. <laughs> the photo has a picture of my dog. The dog has died. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm making a I'm lamb rackle. About... Uh, no, hold on. I want to say this word. Uh, can we lamb? I'll just say it because I remember it. Because I guess I, I've recently learned I may have a photographic memory, as it turns out. Um, oh, a lamiaculorum. I can't. Say, I can spell it, but I can't. Say it. Okay, so it's the same reason I can't say she sells fish. And the reason why, if you ask me to spell necessary, uh, I tear die. collector. It's a tear collector. Oh shit. Wait, let me turn them back up because oh, now yes. it's getting dramatic. Yeah. I love this. I love the audio, yeah. our audio curation. Just an interactive piece. We're gonna be picking it up, holding it, maybe breathing into it. They've just been going through the like, here's what my design is, and they're like, you know, kind of going through it. So again, nothing that you haven't missed or seen in a previous reality TV. Yeah, if you've seen. But them, now you've it's seen like getting down to the wire. Like the mini me is coming in the collection. For everyone, the mini me sort of looks like a. Uh, 90s <laughs> 3D representational version of a man on a computer program. <laughs> he looks like the AOL keyword guy. <laughs> 1,000. He's the AOL instant messenger, like, running man. He's like, when you're logging guy. in, he's taking a run. I want to be that guy for the Halloween. It's just impossible. I have found quite a few cool Halloween oh, costumes. So I'm excited to start idea. developing them. Thinking about, like, hmm. when you take test at school and then the teacher's always like oh you're the how first do i become done. the lycos dog yes or the next exactly i wanted to. nothing broke nothing chipped i'm certainly not gonna be finishing early it's gonna be a nail biter for me time is definitely a worry right now so they had six hours to work on. oh and they have like some prefab materials too it looks like that guy had some like glass straws that were yeah so the glass straws the are no those are what you use oh. to create the the thing yeah okay you can there's like tubes there's like pellets temperature between there's like sand yeah that's the like raw form of glass and so you can, it's basically like you know like when you get a wood dowel i might make a smaller version of it and you're like making a baseball bat, except like glass. Yeah. So yeah, except you get to blow it into like it's like the 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 tube of rubber you used to get at the liquor store as a kid. If that makes sense. Yeah. Remember those balloons you'd blow into them? They were fake. They were made out of plastic. Yes. And it was like probably toxic as hell. In the process, but it should be. Like we probably should not have been playing with it, right? We probably have cancer. There was a lot of things that 
we, especially putting our mouths as children and stuff, yeah. This is picking up the individual pieces out of the annealer, heating them, affixing them to the piece, and sculpting them. This is Don't fascinating because it's kind of like the riskiest part, not finishing it on time. We you know that Mythbusters where they kind of explained all this, right? Probably no science. <laughs> the, that glass, it's a flowing, it's a flowing liquid essentially. It's a slow moving liquid that looks like a solid. Lots of things that can go wrong. Ready? Fucking Here it comes. I'm pleased that things came out. That's what makes ball. watching this so fascinating. Got the door for you. So what's also great. really fascinating about it too is seeing the comparison for a show trail. like this, which rich. is all handmade, versus let's say how it's made which is all machine stamped and removes left. the worker out of the process and focuses on the automation of it. open doors yeah. that i have yet to see the pepper mill right, aspect the electric pepper mill of the fresh pepper grinding that's happening here yeah. it's true it's the automatic pizza maker. More time, but we had spent too much time outside the it's the baby box. It is the baby box. Oh, wow. By the way, I, I learned some more about the, the, the tape programming learning thing. That's actually like more real than we joked about. I'm going to clockwork orange myself into having compassion. Will that work? <laughs> they thought it was, briefly, at least. pile of broken glass is just a pile of broken glass, man. A lot of people that will watch will be That's like, a... it looks beautiful. As long as it is still on a pipe or a punty, it is not done. It could break at any time. 15 minutes left! Now it makes it seem like they're working in like a steam mill or some steel mill or something. It's like <laughs> 15 minutes left hectic. in your shift to deliver 15 more widgets. Yeah. It's quitting time, boys! <laughs> yeah, hang up those hats. Hang up the glass hats. Today's challenge is called Snapshot. We were asked to bring in a phone. I just want to pause right here and note that we are about 18 minutes into the episode and that this is when they start the, the like, judging part. Which then lasts for like another like seven minutes or so. All that is a way of saying, Brian, if you want to binge watch this show and go even faster, you could literally just skip to the judging part and just watch <laughs> maybe about 30 minutes tops and be completely caught up. I think it's how we should watch Ink Master. I mean, I, I've watched <laughs> eight seasons of all of Ink Master and it is a lot, but if you get right, if you were to go right to the judging, it'd be a different show. I want to do that with like Top Chef or like, Ooh. like or the other be, one. If you chop, <laughs> if you cut out all the parts where they make the food, be fucking funny as hell. Like going right to the judging. Yeah, just see the ingredients and then judging. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Let's see what they did then. Like, oh fuck. It's just like when I'm at a real restaurant. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that one. Okay, see you in a bit. Bye. The bit where people at the end are like wiping their heads and stuff, and you have no idea like the context of like what <laughs> yeah, happened. You're just like, oh, like oh, you're like, oh god, get the fuck out of my face, Eon. <laughs> yeah, look at this, look at this shit. This person threw together. Holy god! And like, meanwhile, they're like having an existential crisis. In the well, why did it take thirty minutes? <laughs> they're crying. Is that your usual ticket time in this restaurant? You gave us a grilled cheese with some some chives on top. What happened? Oh, God. My food. 
<laughs> oh my god, okay. So anyway, yeah, go. back to glass. Of an emotionally significant time in our lives, and then create a piece based on it. My piece is a symbol of luck. You make a wish and you color in one eye, and then when that wish or goal comes true, you color in the other eye. Referencing what my father meant to me. Poignant. A bunch of trash. I'm a little nervous that I might have overthinked things. I'm actually really confident in my piece. I feel like it's engaging and really moving. I hope that the evaluators consider my ambition. <laughs> it's if like all busted. My and smile, <laughs> the like, water is happy. very sharp. Consider my ambition. Notoriously <laughs> jagged. The work I, I hope. Do. Just want the evaluators to something that has a high level of workmanship. <laughs> For this challenge, I feel I got the winning piece. I actually think that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. See who has real talent. But others, I hope they make I'm my really body. Curious about. <laughs> I'm really, some of these I'm really curious about. Yeah, go, go, everyone else can go back to making Rick and Morty glass. These people can make their original the pieces. Of the AIDS crisis. Catherine, this is a hollow tube. That's not easy to do, right? It's not something easy to do, especially when you spiral it around. This is Edgar. Would you call this a bold move to attempt the sculpture? I would call it a bold move. Anytime you're trying to do something really realistic, well, that is a, a challenge in itself. This is Patrick's? It's something you might see at the airport gift shop. The fabrication <laughs> is not exceptionally well done. Oh. oh, no. That's like the worst thing you could say to one of these people. I'll say it's an interactive piece. I'm going to let you guys go ahead and <laughs> show it. Breathe it out together. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh. The first ever shared breath. I feel like I've gotten to know Catherine a little more today. <laughs> it's I can a say nice that myself, but not through a shared breath glass blowing vase. Helping you create your piece. All right, we have Alexander's oh. over here. Wow. He has done a really incredible job. There are so many technical tour de forces. The water in that form is acting as a lens, magnifying the dog. These are really beautifully made pieces. Very beautifully made. <laughs> You're bringing the glass flowers? You're gonna get high points on conceptual bravery. I'm laughing Conceptual bravery. Yeah. <laughs> Looking around, I certainly don't feel exempt or safe. Welcome to like my brain. I'm gonna use that in my next governmental discussion. We need some conceptual bravery. Tell me about your photograph. Photograph was my psyche is currently floating between the two layers of like false and negative praise. I just take care of myself. Very now, uncomfortable here. Uh, I take care of myself they're, so that I can take they're care brutal. Of the piece is representing me texting him, giving him shelter, and then the other three that pieces show growing. Conceptually interesting. It does follow the Tobias Funke thing that the manor actually blue as well. Your glass on purpose. I ended up breaking it on the knockoff and didn't have any time to make another one. It happens. Glass breaks. That's what Patrick. they say in the glass industry. They don't say shit happens. They say glass like something breaks. Something I might see glass in breaks. a gift shop. Can you tell me what makes it better than that? I know it is. I tried to make it a little more I, elaborate. Yeah. What you would see in I mean, every gift shop around. But, Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Please give us a. But few it looks moments. like a how it's thoughts. made. Piece. Thank you. I would only. F yeah. Mm -hmm. it's gonna be really it looks like you got it because you went to San Diego. I'm going I to just win. say, the Orca, at the Orca, they show, t 
today on How It's Made. Uh, that's the, uh, the or <laughs> orcas. Today we're going to look at how they make orcas through this glass factory. At the orca dungeon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool. And it shows a quick shot of the exterior. And then it shows the interior of the people like hand. They're all wearing flannels. I'm so glad they're attacking boats. Yeah. They look like me, basically, is what I imagine everyone at the Orca factory makes. I feel like the loser is the one who should have got residency. Yeah, the, the loser. <laughs> yeah, the loser gets an airport glass outlet job. Unfortunately, one of you has not flown it. If they don't already have one. That person is. You have not blown us away. Kevin. You're the opposite of Kevin, blowing. Second place gets to work at an outlet mall. Bad situation, and you're blowing glass live. Yeah. We're really sorry to see you go. And it just wasn't quite up to par to compete with everyone else. What I'm going to take from this competition is the humbleness. I need to see that with guy with glass. the hair again. Now that I know that I can do it once. The, the really guy like in the suit with the hair. More. But I, think I, I just thought, I just realized that that man blew glass the whole time with his hair down, and that bothers me. It's very dangerous. It's an OSHA. I don't even, like, light a bong with my hair down. Like, I... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so, yes. having... Having just seen... Uh... We haven't really been, I guess we're, we're going to get to know the contestants a little more as we keep watching the show, I guess. But I guess the point is, is that like, yet again, showcasing this very niche thing. It's absolutely an art. No one's arguing that, yeah. right? But like, uh, are you going to be the Gordon Ramsay of art blowing what do, or glass blowing? Like, what does that no, even mean? You can't be because the person who is is probably one of the judges on the show or making the, or is making the show. And like you said, there's only room for like one of those people in the world re glass blowing. Okay, maybe two, two right? Three, not, not, maybe one. Okay, let's be generous. One yes. continent, <laughs> seven. And I don't even know. I mean, maybe Antarctica really needs a glass. <laughs> yeah. How about this? So there's. Let's say there's there's A through D tier. No, there's A through E tier glass blowers. A Chaluli. B the people responsible for doing the show and judging. So like that lady who had that cool looking modern glass. She's like B tier, I guess, or maybe C tier. Who knows? But these people are like D and E tier, and whoever wins gets to be a nicely cherished, pretty. Okay. D -tier. So. So here's here's where I'm going to challenge you now, too. Okay. I'm going to take one of the most prestigious fashion shows on television. Okay. Project Runway. All right. And Heidi Klum, inarguably a supermodel. Yes. A supermodel in her own right, regardless of who anyone else on the show is. And then you have... Nina Garcia, the fashion director for Elle Magazine. Okay, so Nina Garcia, okay. fashion director right. for Elle Magazine. Now, big magazine. Where would you rank Elle on? See, because like if I were, if you were to, if you were, if you were before this, I'd just asked who's what's the biggest <clears throat> fashion magazine in the as world, a, Brian? Vogue. Vogue. As a Top. magazine head and as a yeah, Vogue. Okay, second. Who would be maybe below that? 
Just thinking uh, fashion. Period fashion. No, uh, nothing else. No no other strictly fashion. Down. Well, <laughs> it ha it's a couple different things. It, it might be uh, it might be Harper's, right? Okay. Okay. Or it yeah. might be the one that's like hold on. It has an um, Cosmopolitan Cosmo. No, Cosmo okay. is that? Does, well, here I'll ask you that question. I, I don't know. Does that really rank or is that like the more like do they have uh you know what i would have put before cosmo What's that? i mean i agree with you i would have put harper's bazaar i probably would have put women's wear daily also oh, okay. like those are like the ones um but i would have put gq on there oh i forgot a... yeah that does get a lot of respect yeah and, mm -hmm. and big money advertising as fashion and as fashion right like yeah. men's fashion but still in that realm right because like uh, uh, some of these designers are designing for both, right? You have Tom Ford for men and for women at Gucci, right? Yeah. Like, um, so again, big names kind of all over. Louis Vuitton designs for both, right? Th those yeah. large fashion houses, they design for both. So they do. GQ is always a part of it. I would also put, for that reason, probably like Playboy on that because Playboy isn't just about the titties, right? Yeah. Penthouse is about titties. Playboy is about being a sophisticated modern gentlemen yeah the they're helping you curate your brands mm -hmm. they're very much so part of that whole deal best hi-fi best shoes best bag best suit best titties right they, they got it all for you so they but they they are seen as a reputable name and that kind of a like yeah. oh yeah i know what means stylish um and then of course for like um i would say like ebony uh, and jet right um and then modern magazines i would say also um I don't know, like uh, like Teen Vogue doesn't do that shit. Sassy used to. These were like teen girl mags. They used to do that shit. And, you know, thankfully, that's kind of evolved a little bit, but still very bizarre. Anyway, I guess the point being L, E-L-L-E, that yeah. magazine did not enter your consciousness at any point in time. And no. if I keep going, she is not the editor-in-chief of L magazine. She is the fashion director of l magazine she's not the publisher of l magazine right so again I, no shade she's clearly she gotta have talent to be able to do a job like that regardless right you gotta have a good aesthetic eye like you have to develop good reputations with your clientele right you have to know how to give subtle and uh sometimes difficult to hear feedback because you are trying to create an aesthetic look right it's like it's kind of the whole deal right? part of the whole I can forgive them a little bit for being bitchy, you right? But probably um, have to know anyway. Anna Wintour, so yeah, you have to. Maybe that's part of your personality to survive that world. So, still, however, not the Michael Jordan, right? It's still no. not Shaq on ESPN. If you feel, if you, if you're smelling what I'm cooking here, what I'm saying yes, is, yes. it's still not the people who are at the very, very top of fashion, right? It's not Anna Wintour. No. who is hosting Project Runway. That would be both beneath her as a brand, right? So she, she that's why she's the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine or whatever the fuck she actually is and the Met Gala. That's high-end, sophisticated TV would never, right? So, okay, but that's something like fashion, which has a lot of luxury and things like that attached to it, right? But, yeah, am I going to be the most famous... Um, epoxy uh, poured earrings, flowers, clear, sparkle, glitter, 
flower crown Etsy store? Is that going to make me famous hmm. in the world of fashion? No, I'm going to be able to fund. I'm going to be able to fund a little league afternoon, right? Like it's like I'm doing it for fun, right? Right. I'm selling it to my friends and neighbors, and I deal like in that sense. Like I, I'm doing it because I like it, right? And uh, so I, I, I'm just, I, I think I'm kind of like stuck on this whole thing that I'm seeing a lot with all, like even with like Love Is Blind, like by season four, I don't actually believe that any of those people are actually looking for love. No, no. Well, I mean, I just, I'm going to imagine that, um, that the casting also changes over time as well. They have to because people mm-hmm. know about the show and they know about the concept of the show, so mm-hmm. that changes. Mm-hmm. What the cynicism would that be, mm-hmm. or? of the people being on the show because they're now layers into that self-awareness. self-awareness i don't know like, what it is because season one has to be a totally different show than season two because season one they could hide the concept mm-hmm. like squid game mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. do you even mm-hmm. do a reality version of that because everyone's seen the show and then you like don't it's literally still like the most watched i believe streaming show so like what is the point the point was the surprise and if it's a reality show right. you already know the story and you know how it ends and the point of the story was that the whole concept was fucked up and the creation of a madman who was himself like completely just trying to terrorize people essentially right it's like what you and i talked about the running man Right, like the movie The Running Man with right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, where yeah. he's like on yeah. the run for having stopped a war crime. Yeah, and it's turned into a television show, and like, uh, yeah, like, like what's what am I watching here? Why am I watching Squid Game? Why am I want? I mean, I, I personally, I like the glass blowing show personally. Like, I, f- I find it like glass blowing ASMR. But I find that about, like, anyone who does any kind of skill-based task, right? Like, I would have the same fascination as I do when I watch the guy who's teaching me how to properly use my knife in the kitchen video on YouTube. Or the I'm restoring a rusty old lock video on YouTube. Yeah, blacksmithing would be cool. I'd watch that. Any skill, really. I'm just like, oh, fascinating. I may not actually take the time to learn it, yeah. right? Like, I'm just, but I'm, I, it's, it's like a tour around the world. It's why I fall into a wiki hole, right? Yeah. It's why any of us do. But again, all as a way of saying, like, I, I'm puzzled by this idea that you're going to find fame in, in any of that when I thought we were doing it because it was fun, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know that Picasso started painting because he thought he was going to become Picasso. No. I think he I just think started that, painting. Yeah. Completely. And he just couldn't stop, right? Like, there's that there's that line of Cormac like, that, that, McCarthy's wife going around that he was so, like, focused on writing and such a curmudgeon that he wouldn't ex- accept speaking engagements so they would just survive on beans. I didn't know that. So I want you to think about this, right? So like Cormac McCarthy, the most like today's, well, not today's anyway, yesterday's. Sorry, Cormac. I know you think that's funny, especially because he's a Santa Fe. Okay, so yesterday's that's right. just America's most illustrious writer, right? Award after award, like just invitation after invitation with honorific after honorific with a little 
stack of money attached to each of those and he's like fuck that shit and you're his wife going dude like the fucking we got bills and shit dude like yeah i mean that's really like, it. no wonder he's divorced like four times and shit dude <laughs> yeah i was really i didn't know too much about him other than like he was a man who inspired like some of the my favorite films uh I never read his books, and I maybe I will now be like re-inspired because like that news. But like, to me, it's um, like I didn't even know he lived in Santa Fe, and maybe you mentioned it before. But I saw that story in like the Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I cool. I guess he was living here the whole time. Yeah, and he wasn't a recluse either. He uh, he w he was kind of a, I'll say not a regular exactly, but he was kind of well known in the bookstores. I know my friends who worked in bookstores, they would be like, Cormac McCarthy came in again today. That's funny. And and he would, I mean, he wouldn't go in regularly, yeah. right? But he would probably, like, call in and order and be like, I'm looking for these books. Have them ready in, like, two weeks or whatever. Order them if you need to, right? Whatever. Yeah. That, they do that at the bookstore. If they don't have it in stock, they'll order it for you, right? That's so I like that. he probably was coming in going, hey, I ordered, <laughs> you have my book for me. Right, but um, wow. at least, yeah, because I have a friend who worked at, I don't know if they still do, um, but they were at Collected Works, and then there was another art book in town, uh, art bookstore in town that's like a photo bookstore, and same thing, Cormac just is a book lover, so every once in a while he'd come in, and he was just a guy, but then most people didn't recognize him because he, it's not like he has a famous face. And yeah, he's just one more white-haired dude in Santa Fe browsing in a bookstore. So most people, I think, didn't recognize him. By the way, there used to be a bookstore in, in Los Angeles, well, technically in Long Beach, called Acres of Books. Bertram's, Bertram's something's Acres of Books. And um, it's a beautiful bookstore. It was huge. And it was like the old, musty stacks and stacks of books. Like, it wasn't, like, really well organized or anything. Oh, like, it wasn't, like, ha you know, it was great. Of course, it's gone oh. a, a long time now. Okay. Yep. It's okay. I mean, you can, they, they're restoring the building. It's going to be like some kind of a fucking, I don't know, condo unit or a uh. gastro dining hall or some shit. Sounds I don't know right. what the fuck it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be some shit like that. So anyway, so this, this wonderful bookstore, Ray Bradbury was a regular there. Really? And when I say regular, like he was there like every day because he was just like an old guy who lived in Southern California. And so I guess he lived pretty close to the to Acres of Books. And so there was like a 50-50 chance if you went to Acres of Books, you were just going to see Ray Bradbury kicking it somewhere in a corner, browsing the stacks, maybe with a book, maybe chatting with someone. It was pretty well known that he was there. He wrote a lot of op-eds. Uh, he, in fact, he he wrote an op-ed to save Acres of Books when it was like first kind of being threatened. You could probably find it it's like on the LA Times, but like he was like he and he talked about like why bookstores are so important, why this one in particular. Anyway, he was like a big deal, and so uh, I never like to bother people when they're famous, and I don't feel like I get anything necessarily about going, hey, I really like that book wrote like it's like okay cool right i'm sure they hear that shit all, all the time or whatever right so but but i recognize him you know and especially because you know that he's gonna be there you're gonna be like well what's he look like <laughs> there he is 
It's true. And right? Why wouldn't you look him up ahead of time? If I told you, hey, Cormac McCarthy lives in town, you'd be like, really? And then you'd go, well, what's he look like? And so you'd do what any normal person does. Google his image, and you'd be like, well, I don't know what he looks like. Why would I know? I don't fucking know. Anyway, so, uh, Ray Bradbury. I, I, and I, I here's a book. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, on that on that same, well, there's two different things. One, I have about a book right here in front of me, a story. But another thing is that I... I know what you mean in terms of like spotting someone and noting them of their or seeing, I don't know, pulling them out of a crowd based on their notoriety or their um, being able to spot them. Like I ate an entire breakfast like at, at Costa Sena next to Christian Bale. Well, I didn't know or nor would I have really cared that he was there until someone else pointed it out. And like I didn't go up to meet him because I was like, "That's annoying that you're doing this. This is Santa Fe. We see people all the time. Just be cool and just yeah. be like, note it mentally and be like, wow, that's kind of neat.' And then that's it. That's enough for you. Like here's here for the same reason every random dipshit is in Santa Fe. They're here on vacation. And he was there with his Leave family. Leave them the fuck alone. Yeah, exactly. He was sitting there with his wife and two kids, and they're like, they still wanted to go like up and be like, "Ooh, we're a big a fan of you and Newsies." Like seriously, yeah, but like <laughs> that's like the last thing he wants to hear. By the way. His kids are clowning on him about it. Yeah, exactly. Newsies, Dad. Huh? You've been in Batman and shit. People are still remembering you for Newsies. It was an interesting experience in that I did get to learn that I was taller than Batman in real life. So <laughs> that was enough for me. I didn't have to speak to him. Although oh, I did, I did bother God, Bob Odenkirk in the hand of my card way. Oh, I would absolutely. I, I mean, there's I some to. I don't think I would. Um, I think I told you once in L.A. I sat next to Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. Oh, well, you have to. Why Why would I not be like, hey, I know who you are. Dave Foley. <laughs> what are you doing here? Hiding from the Canadian government? There's no, I couldn't, I would I, know. If I sat down next to any member of Kids in the Hall, I would have to, I'd be like, I, I have to. To recognize you as a person, thank you. <laughs> and acknowledge you, because yes. probably no one else in this yes, room does, exactly. and I will. Cause Scott Thompson, person. I love you. Your yeah. gay Dracula bits are the, some of the greatest <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. You couldn't make kids in the hall now. No. Although, he was, well, he, I don't know. I guess he was an out gay man at the time, right? I don't know. I think he was. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, and then still, then could you do that now? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't think so. Actually, Kids know. in the Hall is back. Did they make a gay Dracula sketch? Probably I don't know. Not. I didn't see I it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. It's on no, Amazon. Well, we, should, we should go back. We should go back. <laughs> okay. We'll find out. Um, Dave Foley, if you're listening. Dave Foley, if you're listening, I would do anything to meet you ask you a couple yeah questions. so and somewhere you're having a nice dinner at a restaurant in la and who knows maybe one of one of these days one of us will run into you people will walk past you and be like hey i live in los angeles now my successful reality television program that i've been running for a couple of years is notable enough for you to talk to me um oh gosh no the Cape Coral Museum of History is hosting a birthday celebration this Saturday on museum grounds from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. featuring food vendors, vintage cars, open house, and limited re-release of a book that depicts the early days and founding of the city. We are proud to have served the community since 1980 and as the only entity, 
entity in the city to pre pre collect, preserve, and share our nature's history, besides me, <laughs> said uh, true. museum's true. I have a treasure trove for our city's history. Said museum executive director, Janelle Truel, which I think I've actually met her, Janelle. At the Cape Coral Museum of History, we welcome all generations to share the unique history of Cape Coral and Southwest Florida through our collection. So anyway, they um, brought a book back, the book that I first read here on the podcast, The uh, Lies That Came True. looks like this, oh, a little uh -huh. like, rainbow uh -huh. book there. Uh, it's about the city's history. It's about how big much of a scam the city was back at its roots. But people must be demanding this book because they brought it back in a reprint. When I, I had to like track it down. I had to like wow. get it. Um, I had to get it on eBay, in fact. Like, even how crazy is that? Because they didn't sell copies anymore at the uh, the local place. So now they've reprinted 100 copies of it, and if they sell out, they'll print um, like way more. So how about that? So I'm actually considering like literally going there and being like, "Give me all your books. Like, give them to me, and I will fucking <laughs> send them to anyone I know, so they can figure out." Someone needs to write a fucking screenplay about. This, I don't care who it is. It doesn't need to you be me. You know what's wild, They just Brian? need to write so... something about this fucking city. It's insane. Anyway, a yes, a, a notable Santa Fean recently asked me, well, not only me. I, I was recently uh, sharing space with a notable Santa Fean, and uh, they proceeded to ask a room of very smart, intelligent people, of which I was one, but merely one of men. <laughs> Kathy's okay, everyone at home. It's so hard to admit that. But there were a lot of very smart, intelligent people in that room. And so they, so this person asks, hey, I'm having a really hard time tracking down um, a history about Santa Fe that particularly deals with certain topic. And everyone in the room mumbling. Some people mention a couple of books that while are relevant to Santa Fe, uh, are not exactly germane to the topic, right? And a, a very famous book um, is The Myth of Santa Fe. Oh. But it talks more about its architectural style. I think I have that And one. artistic bits. Yeah, and, and less about, like, let's say, can I put it like this? The people's history? Yes. And, it, it... and, to, be, and to be fair, there really isn't one. Um, that that really does it, but in all of this room, smart, intelligent, well-educated, well-read people, they all failed to be able to come up with a recommendation, except for, of course, yours truly, who brought up a very small, slim book, which really just talks about the walking, it's like a walking tour of Santa Fe, but as they take you on the walking tour, what they're actually doing is giving you a walking tour of the gentrification of Santa Fe. They take you to an old building and they say, this building right now is the CVS. But before it was the CVS, it was, and then it takes you through the entire history of what used to be on that lot. Oh. Right? And so um, you must be familiar with body yoga. Okay, you'll be familiar with... Uh, Oh gosh! I mean, I used What's to go right to a there? studio. I can't remember the name of it even. Yeah, no, it's called. Okay, it was on a corner. Like, okay, I guess the point of that Thrive is that current... is where I went. <laughs> okay, it was a different one. Okay, whatever. Yeah, okay. So there's currently a yoga studio in town called Body. Okay. Body used to be like is like the building where it is right now. Inside of that building, it used to be a local supermarket. It was called Alfalfa's. 
and it was about as crunchy granola of a store as it got at the time in the 1960s in in like santa fe but it wasn't like so much that it was crunchy granola it was that it was like also the local market anyway so if you talk to old timers they can tell you about how body yoga used to be the alfalfa's market and then be like oh yeah like that's where you could find like flaxseed until the whole foods arrived right and then then everything changed but like that that was like the one like and so there's like a lot of like old timers who will actually be able to remember it for that very reason and just so the book will kind of take you through that and we'll just pick a random location like just as on this little walking tour is like hey you're over here let me tell you about everything that used to be here and so like there isn't anything overtly in the book that uses like nothing in the book says the word gentrification nothing is like look at how capitalism and private equity have destroyed this city but it accidentally tells that story because it's like, oh, do you know where the Kmart is? That used to be a cornfield. And Regal Park used to be the military airfield. You know, like it would just like be, I don't know, like it just yeah. kind of describes, oh, and then it became uh, the Walmart. Yeah, I mean, our, our local um, private airfield in Fort Myers right across the river here. Um was a World War II air training base to, like, um, taught people, like, I think it was landing and takeoff specifically for, like, certain uh, pla- makes of plane that they used in wartime. But, like, <clears throat> and then eventually uh, it would be the setting for um, Day of the Dead, the third of the Dead movie, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And the second one used, uh, Dawn of the Dead actually used the, our downtown as well. But, mm. um yeah we also just watched the episode of succession that uh took place in santa fe which i didn't realize because i never watched the succession show the phenomenon that was the show tyler of course was watching it religiously um so he knew every he was like all caught up he was like he was like uh i don't i don't even remember because again i the show was meaningless to me i i met him when it was like in season last or whatever next to last right I don't, again I don't, I don't know what these things mean so um i also don't watch i think you and i have talked about this i don't watch prestige television shows until they've completely ended and then everyone else like unless i'm actually into watching it myself but when people are like oh you need to like binge watch succession and catch up i'm like i'm gonna wait till it's over so that i don't get lost again i absolutely like, agree because i do i do the same thing now like if it's even going to be like a single season of something i really do want to watch like i will wait till the whole thing is out just to like you know i can, I can be patient there's other things yeah. i want to see and do in the world so yeah i can wait it's no yeah. big deal. even better call saul like i'm still waiting like i could watch season six tomorrow i've been thinking about this a lot and i i may who knows but I'm still there's there's something inside of me that wants to go like well I could wait until the moment when I feel like I've seen everything to prepare me for it but have you ever seen the movie Sling Blade? Uh, when I was about let's see nine ten eleven okay. my parents ran it from okay. the video store for a uh, family drama dollar fifty okay okay but you've seen it okay yes. so and you saw it. 
when it was a phenomenon country like across the country yes. like everyone was watching Sleep Blade. Okay, it was so. a meme. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yes, before it was a meme, it went viral. It so. did. I never saw Sling Blade when it came out. Okay. I didn't watch Sling Blade until like three years ago. And okay. immediately what happened is I started walking around everywhere I went going <laughs> French fried <laughs> I want to say at least one time you may have referenced that to me when we were talking about French fries, like frozen French fries or something. <laughs> yeah. And I now recall, and now that makes me so happy that that's the case. You had recently seen the film and lent okay, that to the so, discussion. Yeah, so what's, what's really funny is that everyone was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you could see them go through their, like, Vietnam War veteran, <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, like, what? Where? Oh, is <laughs> new Coke still on the shelf? Like oh, you know, like, you know how they're like, oh, if someone woke up from a coma, like, whatever. I don't think the problem would be with the person. Like, I feel like I was, I'm accepting of the fact. People are like. That I was like 15, 20 years too late to sleep. People are checking their phones to see if the Western bacon cheeseburger is available at Burger King again. They're like opening it on DoorDash. Oh, is it available? Oh, I'll go. Oh. Temporal anomaly, excuse me. Okay. Um, Ooh, yeah. Let me let me let me add on to something I think that fits into everything that we've been talking about today. So I'm throwing my papers away. I'm discarding them because what we've been talking about is better. Throw the cards away. But I do have I have one thing here that I thought was fascinating that blends into everything. So when uh, in a century of the self, there's something mentioned very mm -hmm. briefly where they talk about how. In their research, when inventing instant cake mix, the biggest barrier to popularizing uh, instant cake mix was guilt felt by the user of the instant cake mix, that it, was, it became too easy. And they had provided everything that the cake mix needed to become a cake except for water. Now, the issue was when they made the cake mix, they felt like they had made a complete product. But in fact, they had m made an incomplete product in that they had removed consideration for the feeling that one got when physically constructing something to prepare for others. And so, like, their solution in the time was to not even modify the formula of anything, but to add one line of ingredients on top of everything else. Do you already know what I'm gonna talk about? Maybe you can already guess. It's it's still existing. I'm, I'm gonna mix guess, today. yeah, because I was like I was thinking about it. I'm like they always ask you to either add an egg or some oil, like yeah. some other it's random. It's irrelevant. Ingredient. They add they they add that irrelevant to the formula still to this day, just so that you yourself won't feel guilt when making it as you're as if you were preparing it for someone else. So, egg, take the egg out. Doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter. You just had maybe a little more moisture, technically, if you wanted that moisture. But the egg was specifically, they added that bit of instruction. And I, when I learned that, I felt so betrayed as a human being. Like from, it, it made me feel, and that's what Adam Curtis documentaries are all about. There's the idea is it makes you feel a way and then you've learned something, but you've attached it to some emotional feeling. And he, I don't even know if he knew he was doing that until a certain point, but that's what he does. Hmm. But it, I felt a certain way. I felt betrayal, but it wasn't from 
and the whole idea of the documentary is to show that basically all of your relation relations and attachments to other people are based on a god falsehoods an ungod, yes ungodly number of falsehoods that interact in literal so many ways. social constructs yes uh, everything everything almost everything the way you feel well i suppose before you start unraveling these things you know and even then you're only going to fall into another one but it was incredible it was it was a betrayal it felt like a betrayal like my mother had been betrayed i'm, I'm then, picking up a book because i'm gonna find a book a page that refers to something you just said okay continue please like i felt like my mother had been betrayed as a person her mother had been betrayed as a person i had been betrayed as a person not as just as, as a forget the consumer element i mean because we're betrayed as consumers anytime you mm -hmm. buy a product mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. uh I mean, the, the very need implanted in us when we're young to, to buy products. The, the idea that like a candy shopping cart or candy, you know, the candy shopping cart, that a plastic shopping cart or like a toy, you know, retail model thing like we used to have as a kid is any different than candy cigarettes. It's, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, teaching us to consume is way worse than cigarettes. Cigarettes themselves are just one consumption item of their own. I mean, if we just smoked and did, weren't consumers, we'd probably be much healthier people. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't tell you because none of us live in the vacuum where we can really mm -hmm. analyze that. And even the people, mm -hmm. human beings who live in the vacuum with no consumerism, they're so far away from how we live that it's you can't really compare. Our minds are so completely different that we would never react to things the same way. I don't think. Well, like, here's another one, right? Because there's also no guarantee that not smoking means I don't get lung no. cancer. Yeah, my grandfather lived in 92 and smoked from, like, 12 to... I'm realistically i'm sure he cheated until the day he died um but he didn't die of anything lung related mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't i don't know how we do our risk analysis as humans kind of generally speaking but no we're we're like there there's there's this there's this video i've seen of one of my friends showed it to me once because it was germane to our conversation in that case too which was it was somebody was trying to define what beauty was and that beauty wasn't so much as like some kind of like rubric for what's attractive but that like what we're appreciating what we don't maybe even consciously think we're appreciating is we're appreciating the work and effort that they put into making that thing beautiful because like it's not just something we pick up off the ground right even when it was jewelry it was like well you still have to like carve a hole in it and put it on a string and that's actually pretty hard to do because you might break it and so like the beauty came in the skill of being able to do that or the skill of being able to make an arrowhead right because arrowheads weren't just practical they were like ritual items they were beautiful yeah. items they were decorative items they were yeah. used for ceremonies they were used in burials but never actually used as object right so the beauty of it came that you used a very pretty rock or you used a very difficult to shape rock or you used an exotic rock uh, a shiny rock or a rock that's from a place that's very hard to get right this is this is a, a, and of course i'm and describing I like kind of all of our ancient cultures and not even North American ones. This is true kind of worldwide, like, it, like go anywhere. And that's what jewelry was, right? Some kind of ornamentation or some shit. Anyway, like 
No, and I remember even you discussed, we discussed previously when we kind of brought up this topic before that it was even observational. So even apart from the importance of the object itself, the activity of it being done, not even just by that person, but other people socializing in a group, watching that person perform that task, learn, yeah. not just learning from them, but also having like a fun slash, the fun slash social meter on their Sims bars also being filled, filled, which isn't something you would typically assume from watching someone work. Um, animals do this too when they are trying to like uh like not just teach each other because there's an understanding that animals can teach each other things like monkeys and shit right but like birds right like it's how they court and mate they're like hey check out this cool fucking nest i made and everyone's and like the other ladybirds are like ooh very impressive work you've got there i've never seen such a pile of sticks like that one of before. my favorite things in the animal kingdom is like <laughs> right. a bird making a stick pile and the ladybird's like hell yeah that's a uh, hot yeah. stick pile I'm that's down. i've never just your prowess as a lover <laughs> is clarified by this arrangement of small rocks yeah and this this leaf this is an excellent leaf Excellently. <laughs> nice the choice. way it stands out among the other leaves around mm. it, great choice. Great choice. <laughs> Perfect selection. Tells me you really know how to eat cloaca. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a real hard time choosing which uh, <laughs> phrase is the name of uh, today's episode. <laughs> just add an egg or what you just said there? <laughs> well, why not both? Why not both? Okay. I'll make, I'll just add a cloaca. Why I'm not thinking. both? Why not add both? A <laughs> yeah, add an egg, eat a cloaca. Here we go. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I couldn't find the passage, but it was um, I was uh, as, as you as, as we discussed on the last cast. I've been reading a lot of North American indigenous history, and oh, I was cool. there was a there's one paragraph that I had remembered seeing, but I couldn't find it again in this big-ass book. I'll find it again eventually. But it was, this person was describing what the sociologist, archaeologist, anthropologist, whoever the fuck this guy was, he's kind of describing, uh, here's how we think societies started to organize themselves in Mesoamerica. And like, I don't know, let's say, I think we're working around here is the Olmecs, so there's like 1400 B.C. And one of the things that he says is that there was this real bias from pe from pe Europeans in particular who were trying to make sense of this organized society in Mesoamerica for which little uh, like uh, understanding exists, yeah. and that these these Europeans were shoehorning in chiefdoms or like kingdoms. Um, Egyptologizing in places they had no biz business Egyptologizing, if I can put it like that. It's like they were assuming that, like their cultures, they were perhaps a little bit more familiar with that they were like stri very strictly hierarchical, right? And of course, there's going to be a hierarchy. Yeah, it uh, makes me think that even exactly insert ideas of like uh, consumerism and capitalism, like into their read of the world, even though it wouldn't make sense at all there. They're gonna like see that, yeah. Like, like imagine that like archaeologists determined that every family was obsessed with round, crazy babies simply because everyone once upon a time had a Cabbage Patch doll in their home. 
Imagine that they said that that must have we must have all worshipped it as a god, because everyone had. If you had enough authority, I'd believe you. Well, anyway, I'm gonna worship my Cabbage Patch doll as my new god. My cat, like, look at it it's bursting out from the ground as a cabbage. That's weird, <laughs> fucked up. It clearly must have some magical power. Yeah, oh, it does. It does. They're unforeseen. You have to wish upon whether they have like some kind of. You know, I I wasn't aware uh, of that whole phenomenon. I had friends that had those cabbage patch dolls. Yeah. Well, it, it, when the moment or it the was worshiping them as gods. Oh uh, well. No, they worship them as gods. I mean, all all our consumer uh, wants and desires are worshipped, really. Anyway, it, it it the the all of that as a way of saying yes. is we continue to reproduce society because we define it the way it is as opposed to the way we want it to be. So like, or what it actually is, right? Which is why these Europeans were like, of course they must have kingdoms. Why wouldn't they have a king? So they tried to like shoehorn kingdoms into like places again that had no business. But by so doing, yeah. reinforcing the very notion of kings themselves which was awful, stupid. That's fascinating. Uh, so there to the cop in our head. To then assume that there are kings in other places would then reassert the idea that, well, why wouldn't we have kings if they had kings there? Which is completely backwards, but absolutely makes sense. Like, the way that that... Yeah, it's... Oh, fuck. I mean, if you take that general principle and apply it to just, like... I mean, science. We would truly do... Yeah. To ob so, fundamental fundamental to physics to observe is to change it yeah to observe the thing is to change the thing you can't fire a photon at the thing without changing its direction it instantly changed the moment you looked at it it's the splitting into yeah, infinite halves like you discussed the greeks uh, talking about last week and how we discussed i think on like our first or second cast the task of the documentarian how do you record that which isn't meant to be seen I think that's why we have to do the show like this is because this is the most honest way that we can actually document these things happening. Like if we are, you know, in the process of writing a corpus of things, you know, opinions that we basically have, that's what we're doing through audio basically here. We have to ourselves place, we have to place ourselves in it. Otherwise it's completely untrue. Like we have to ourselves be witnessed as what we're saying. Like, our perspective has to be known via who we are. Otherwise, it well, doesn't like mean I, anything. The context is lost. Well, well, haven't we also said this? Like, why would you comment on, like, uh, like maybe not why, right? It's ignorant to do so, but you can do it. But why would you really comment on Kim Kardashian at all if you haven't seen some of the shows? Right. And really gotten a sense for like who this person is, even if it's this fake sense of who she is. Like, but it is the self she's presenting to us. And that's what matters. It's the self. That, it's the self that she's offering up to us for um, examination, right? So in that sense, it's fair game to analyze it. So why would I not analyze that? I think there's also something about here that I think I want to like maybe mull on for next time. Something about mm -hmm. this concept of privacy um yeah. and like um 
it feels like my cake making should be private and by trying to be donut daddy to get views like my baking isn't private anymore i'm not doing it because i wanted to bake you a cake i'm baking it now because the satisfaction comes from people watching me make this cake but it's like well but we're not watching you make a cake we're watching you make a fucking ass of yourself I guess that's what it comes down to. You're just to. a guy being sexy who is peripherally making a cake. You're just the porn star that's, hi, I have a pizza with extra sausage. Yeah, there was a sweet spot in there to hit to make his argument, and he missed it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, <sighs> it, it's probably going to be a while before I can eat a donut. Oh, I'll be honest. I am going to have problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> general no plain cake <laughs> for period. me please period no honestly i feel like today has been a very a very good uh therapy session um <laughs> i've just added an egg and as as i said now yes the episode will be called add an egg eat a cloaca and um and eat a, something about don't fuck a donut don't fuck a donut that'll be in in parentheses at the end i can use up to 100 characters as i've learned now that's what those rss feeds will take um <sighs> yeah okay brian i have to go Kathy. get ready for a oh, very important meeting yes can i talk to you briefly like not on a podcast yeah. as well thank yeah. you okay bye everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. we had a wonderful podcast we love you bye, goodbye once again in that classic voice resembling president obama and that my friends brings us to the end of another enlightening episode of our beloved kathy and brian's reality issues podcast episode 0055 season 5 episode 6 add an egg eat a cloaca don't fuck a donut, to be accurate. In today's journey, we've delved deeper into real-life issues than we ever have, traversing the landscapes of our own minds, societal norms, and even the sweet aroma of donuts. We laughed, we learned, and we grew. A collective therapy session of the most enriching kind. As your host and the keeper of the legendary gems, the Chaos Emeralds, I can't express how invigorating it is to walk this journey with you each week. Together we peel back the layers of our reality, question the norms, and hopefully emerge a bit wiser, a tad more insightful. This week we left a few threads open, intentionally, waiting to be revisited, unraveled and understood in future conversations. I'm already excited about where these discussions will lead us, and what new insights they'll bring. Until then, hold on to the wisdom of today's episode, practice it in your lives, and remember, in the words of the great Bernays, it's fine to take shortcuts sometimes. Just remember to add an egg. So here's to you, our intrepid listeners, as we wrap up episode 0055. We'll be back soon with more stimulating discussions. Until then, stay curious, stay questioning, and above all, stay away from romantic entanglements with donuts. See you all soon. Freeze! I'm Ma Baker. Put your hands in the air. Give me all your money. This is the story of my baker, the meanest cat from old Chicago town.
Bye. 